the Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Meet Miss Fine. Welcome back to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny. Not the lady who watches you when your parents aren't around, but the hit sitcom from the mm-hmm. 90s starring Fran Drescher. I am Shondi Pasquale here with... Toria Sheffield. That's right. The great Toria Sheffield. No relation to Oh, Mr. Sheffield. No, no. not no. any. I, none. Guess that, I guess not at all. No, no, no relation. Not uh, that I this know. episode is called The Playwright. It is episode two of season two, and it was written by Lisa Medway and directed by the great Gail Mancuso, who has directed so many uh, really, really funny physical comedy episodes of the show. And this one does not disappoint. This is another <laughs> fantastic episode. It's got some great physical comedy. The big, the big guest star of the episode, to my mind, is the, the always incredible Richard Kind. If you don't know who Richard Kind is, you do. You just have to look at a picture of him and hear his voice. You've definitely seen him in something. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. always funny. Always incredible performer. Like Larry David's cousin on Curb. He's always in things. And and this is the episode, by the way, where Bran kind of gets forced into going on a date with a guy she knew in high school. And I have this note at the top that says, I flagged so many good lines in this episode. Like when we get to our favorite lines, it's just going to take us forever to get through. Yeah, there's so many good lines in this episode. This episode was also about nerds like at at Mm -hmm. its core this episode was about nerds and and the way we treat nerds um and and that's that's juxtaposed in we get another brighton b plot and and so the the brighton b plot is that this cute nerdy science girl wants to take brighton to a school dance and or wants really she she wants brighton to ask her to the school dance and i'm gonna say um i think we can just both agree in terms of brighton b plots this was a huge level up from last week oh god yeah brighton's dick size b plot this one actually was you know pushing some character development further (laughs) some a little a little bit of a heart a little bit of a payoff so well done well done yeah with the brighton with the brighton stuff but yeah, so yeah, the B plot is uh, this very geeky girl who it seems like Brighton has been friends with for years. We've yes. established, um, kind of has a crush on him and, and hopes that he'll ask her to the stands. Yeah, um, and um, the and in fact, that's really a big part of the the episode actually because the yeah. whole thing starts off with you know Brighton and this girl are are sitting in the living room and they're talking about their science project. And she basically is like, so Brighton, you know, do you, do you have any plans for, for the dance? And he's like, eh, I got some, you know, some coals in the, what is it? I some irons in the fire. Irons in the fire. Yeah. yeah. And she's, and he's like, what about you? And she's like, oh, you know, no, not really. I'll, I'll probably just, you know, go, but stand against the wall with the other wallflowers. And he's like, oh, good. <laughs> like, as long as yeah. you've got, you've got, you know, sounds like you've got a plan too. Like, um, not, not to be mean or rude. I think he just doesn't get what she's getting at. Yeah. Although when she gets up to go like take her allergy medicine or something, she leaves the room. Fran literally throws like a pencil at him or something because she's so frustrated, you know, eavesdropping on their on their conversation. And he actually instantly goes, he's like, what? He's like, I'm not taking her to the dance. That's a good point. So he does know. He's just trying to. Yeah. yeah. Mm, That's a good point. Yeah, he's being willfully ignorant because he doesn't want to take her. He's like, all my friends would like tease me. And so she, you know, we start off this dynamic where 
Fran is sort of, you know, trying to encourage him to take her and and do this sort of almost mm-hmm. compassionate thing. And she keeps saying things like, you know, you know, girls at that age are very sensitive and, you know, what you do to what you, what you say to them can really affect them for life. And she's trying to be this like mature influence on this, you know, 12 year old boy. And then did you notice that um, when we cut to her picking him up from school in like the next scene, though, we have this gross moment again where he sexualizes her. Which I think I hate that. Basically, like Brighton is hanging out by the lockers with some of his friends, yeah. and Fran shows up and is like, "Brighton, like I'm here to, you know, here to take you home." And literally, the other boys are like, uh, "They're like, oh, well done, Sheffield." And she and he's like, oh, "Please, she's my nanny, but she still wants me." It's <laughs> so like, weird. Ew, just quit it. Like, it's come gross. on, yeah. Um, but then, oh, sorry. So I had forgot to mention that in the previous scene after Fran sort of, you know, tries to encourage Brighton to ask this girl out. I can't, I'm totally blanking on her name. Brooks? Is her name Brooke? Brooke. Brooke. Brooke? Brooke. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brighton goes, oh, he's like, well, if I, if I, if I, uh, ask her out, she'll probably like definitely make sure we get an A on our science project. So then he like runs out of the room to ask her out. So he has right. actually asked her to the stands. Yes. So then though, when we are back at school with this group of boys, they, they're like, uh, oh, you know, Fran shows up and then Brooke shows up and she says something to Brighton like, oh, hey, um, my dad just wants to know if he should give us a ride to the dance on Friday. And literally all of Brighton's friends look at him and they're like, clearly kind of like, ew, what? Like, yeah. Brian does this horrible thing where he looks at Brooke in the face and goes, like, I don't know what you're smoking. Um, basically being like, I never asked you. That never happened. And she, like, runs off really upset. And Fran sees the whole thing as well. And I thought that was a terrible thing to do. And Fran is, like, very, very disappointed. Yeah, Fran's horrified, as she should be, because it's a really mean thing to do. He's a real dick, Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, I funny because i feel like at this age i would have just been happy to have someone to take to the dance i don't think that i would have been i don't think i was where brighton was as far as like worrying about being cool to the guys i think i would have just been more like oh cool someone wants to go to a dance with me (laughs) yeah well i think that just speaks to his his social circle you know and then we cut to fran and brighton in the cab going home and and you know fran is just berating him and berating him and she's like you know that was a terrible thing what you you know she's she's at a very impressionable age this is gonna stick with her her whole life and you know brighton literally goes well you know what's done is done there's nothing i can do and she's and she literally goes it's never too late to right a wrong you did to another human yeah at which case the cab driver speaks up and it's like you know oh like really you huge hypocrite and that's it's richard kind um and at first fran doesn't recognize him and is sort of like okay rude like we're having a conversation and then he says a few more things like that and she realizes she like she like looks at the uh you know uh driver id and she's like jeffrey needleman and she's like oh my god and it's established that their cab driver is this really nerdy guy that she had gone to school with who had clearly been like head over heels for her and who she like never went on a date with and never was that nice to and in fact he says something where he's like you know he's like i can't believe you stood me up you had said we'd go out that Sunday. And she's like, I said someday, Jeffrey. <laughs> and literally, you know, Brighton is like watching this whole exchange with his arms across his chest, like smugly. And he's like, Fran, like, 
I thought that it's never too late to like wrong a right that you did to another human. And she's basically shamed into taking her own advice. And so she says she will go on a date with Jeffrey Needleman. Um, and that sets up, that really gets this whole episode going. Yeah. And we quickly establish, it's not really a C plot, I guess. It was more of just like a, they needed something for Cece to do. And, and and it has a pretty decent payoff. But basically we find out <clears throat> in the next scene that Cece is trying to get Mr. Sheffield to read a play from one of her friends. And she says, it'll only take a little bit of time. You don't even have to like it. And then Niles goes like, she said that line a lot of times before, which, you know, is again, another fantastic CC burn. I'm always here for them. And that, you know, again, it's not really a plot, but it does pay off this whole idea that Mr. Sheffield is like, I don't want to read just some random play from some random person that, you know, like I, I don't mm-hmm. do that kind of thing. Yes. He even sort of, yeah, makes it like a platform. Like he yeah. doesn't do it. And you know, I think it's noteworthy because CC's his producing partner, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> yes, so it's to- very strange that he's like, it's not like it's like a, a, a an unsolicited, it's like that's his producing partner and she's like, hey, read this play. So it's very weird that he's like, no, I will have nothing to do with this. But, you know, again, it's not really played as like a plot so much as it it pays off as like, I guess, a joke leader. Yeah, well, because then we go into like one of just, this is just when this episode really, I would say, gets cooking with gas. It gets so good because, so Fran meets Jeffrey at this, you know, um, really nice restaurant in Manhattan. And (laughs) she gets there and he's like completely neurotic. He like, you know, stumbles over to her, like, you know, bumping into a waiter. And he, you know, when they sit down, he pulls out one of those like orthopedic, like those wooden ball mats that like go over chairs. And she looks at him kind of horrified. Those mats are often put over cab driver's seats which is i think what the joke there was is that like oh. he uses the same kind of beaded wooden um um seat you know a uh, 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 massager that he uses in his cab well <laughs> but the thing that was so great is you know she's looking at him sort of with this look of horror and he goes no i brought one for you too yeah. which i thought was actually very very sweet it's great um, you know and again just to point out he does you know, as Toria just said, when he first stands up at that bar, he's like, he knocks like 26 things over. He like breaks a glass, <laughs> knocks a chair over, picks up his briefcase, knocks something else over, pushes over a vase. Um, and, and again, these are, this is always a consistent thing in Gail Mancuso's episodes is like really great physical comedy. Uh, she never lets me down. I love it. I want yes, to talk to I- Gail Mancuso so badly about directing these episodes. So yeah, it was, it was. Great. And so they're on this date and, you know, again, he's like just so over the top neurotic and, um, she, oh, um, he's like, oh, Fran, I I brought you this gift. And she, she's like, oh, Jeffrey, you didn't have to. And then she opens it and she's like, oh, it's like electric blue eyeshadow. And he's like, it's your electric blue eyeshadow. Remember Mrs. McGee confiscated it from you in homeroom? (laughs) And she's like, oh, and you kept it all these years. And he's like, I always wanted to give it back to you. And she's like, oh, that's that's sweet, uh, if not very unsettling. Um, And then we have this moment that is it is so ungrounded and it is clearly just the writers and the cast wanting to have a lot of fun because he's like, you know, Fran, like there's this, you, you said you'd never do it with me back in high school, but I'm hoping we can do it right here, right now. And she's like, Jeffrey, what are you saying? And she's like, he's like, come on right now on the floor in this restaurant. And she's like, no, no. And he's like, do the hustle with me. He pulls up, he pulls out a boombox, presses play, 
the hustle begins to play and, and Fran like almost perfectly. They, they do the hustle. I love and it. I it was fun, but again, very it. ungrounded. Very and grounded. I also would have all, I would, also are these two actually perfect for each other? Because yes. I, dude, that's so funny that I wrote that that you said that. I literally wrote, I really want her to end up with Jeffrey. Yes, yes, because at first she's like, Oh no, I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't even remember. And then as soon as the music starts, they're doing it and they're like they're perfectly in unison and yeah. they're absolutely fantastic. The scene um, also I really enjoyed because I, I always love when when actors break on camera and there's a waiter in the background who is just beaming from ear to ear and cracking up like throughout the whole dance and like i don't think that was like direction i think he just really i think he enjoyed this scene as much as i did i I thought it was great i i didn't care how like um i didn't care how like forced into the episode it was it was really cute and i love when people dance and i'm sure that the uh studio audience was going crazy i'm sure they were um and then though um, plus when you know you've seen richard kind do the hustle now you have you know now i have yeah that's true um but so the music ends and she's like, oh, Jeffrey, you know, this actually wasn't such a bad date after all. And he's like, fantastic. And he's like, marry me. And she's like, what? And he's like, no, I want you to marry me. And then she goes, uh, Jeffrey, I, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But and then we literally cut to him <laughs> on the ledge of the building, okay. which is probably about 12 stories up. And okay. He's literally now going to jump and kill himself. I want to talk she- about this. I want to pause here because it is remarkable to me that suicide is just a sitcom plot point in this episode and not handled like a mental health issue at all. They don't even, I kept expecting like, oh, I wonder if this episode ends with like a, you know, suicide's never the answer kind of like message. And it flat out does not like, it's just like, ha isn't it funny? This guy is going to kill himself. If well, Fran doesn't marry him. <laughs> this is almost what I'll say, though. You almost never get the impression that he's authentically wants to do it. He's just using it as a tactic to pressure Fran. I mean, I don't know. It's You're, you're right. It shouldn't, you know, it, it wouldn't be done this way now. It, we shouldn't make light of it. But um, especially in light of some stuff that happens a little later, you definitely get the sense that he's not that serious <laughs> Yeah, but this huge dramatic tantrum. I'm just gonna say, just don't throw it out there. If you are depressed and you do want to hurt yourself, you should call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. I will do the work that this show did not do, which is to say that suicide is not funny, and being willing to kill yourself uh, is a sign of a mental health issue that that can be helped. Yeah, I would um, also say definitely don't jump off a building because you yeah. could hurt someone else. So yeah, just exactly. just you do a less, just do a different way if you're going to. <laughs> that's that's really my only two cents. <laughs> but it is it is very funny, and I mean, and again, Richard Kind is like a comedic genius and manages to make all of this work um, really well. Like it's not, it never feels dire or scary. It, well, it has some of my favorite parts where some of my favorite lines are actually in this exchange because she is like leaning out the window and she's like, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, don't do it. Just think of You have so much to live for. And he's like, oh, like what? And she's like, um, friends. <laughs> he's like, I don't have any. She's like, a uh, family. And he's like, he goes, a strange. And she goes, uh, a dog. And he goes, it bit me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so, and then he's like, you see, I've got nothing. Um, and then she's like, well, oh, cause when they were, um, having lunch earlier or dinner or whatever it was, 
he had said that he had written a play and she very, very consciously did not mention that she works for a Broadway producer because she clearly like didn't want to be in a position where she would have to pass something along to Mr. Sheffield. So at the time she remained quiet. But so at this point, now that she's desperate, she's like, um, what about your writing? And he's like, oh, like that's pointless. Like you got to know someone in this town. Like no one's ever going to actually read it. And then she kind of like looks really torn and she's like, I actually do know someone, Jeffrey. I work for Mr. Sheff- for Maxwell Sheffield, the big Broadway producer. <laughs> and, um, oh, I should quickly say there was also another funny exchange in this moment where before she says that, she's like, she's like, Jeffrey, get back in here. I'll literally, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> he goes, sleep with me. And she goes, anything else? What, like, what's your second choice? And then he's like, uh, a date, another date. And she's like, what else you got? So she's like, clearly not that willing to do anything to get him to not kill she's not that invested in him killing No, himself. but anyway, so then we get to the point where she admits that she actually works for this Broadway producer. And that's when we cut to Fran. Okay. I, this was the only thing that took me out of the episode. And I, I made a note about it, which is, so Fran leaves this man on a ledge, <laughs> goes all the way back home to talk to Mr. Sheffield, and then they go all the way back, and this guy's just been standing on a ledge the whole time, as opposed to just calling the house. This is true. She could have just called. Oh, wait, no, I was like, remember, she says specifically, Cece, why weren't, like, Cece's on the business line. And right. Fran specifically says, why didn't you take my call? I was calling. And Cece says something like, oh, well, the last time it was because you wanted us to tape like The Young and the Restless or something. So this is why Fran had to run on foot because oh, okay. she is she has cried sure. wolf too many times calling the home with an emergency. Sure. So even the show recognized that this was an insane thing to have to have. Happen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but so she runs in and she's basically like, you know, she fills everybody in on what's happening. She's like, this guy's literally going to jump off a building if you don't. Mr. Sheffield, come with me and read this play. And so, and then they go running out. Um, and the next scene is actually, <laughs> this is why I love this. Uh, I think this is maybe why also I, while you're right, they, you know, shows should never make light of something like suicide. You, it's so clear that he is, <laughs> that he is not serious about this because we're back at the restaurant. He's out on the ledge eating soup. <laughs> yes. Um, while Mr. Sheffield is reading his play and he's like literally leaning in going, you're not laughing. And, then Mr. Yes. and Mr. Sheffield's like, ha, 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 ha. And he's like, oh, what part are you laughing at? It's just like so <laughs> pathetic. And then literally he gives the bowl to Fran and he's like, you got anything for dessert? So, you know, uh, but it ends with, you know, Mr. Sheffield finishes the play and he's actually like, this play is actually fantastic. Like I want to option it. Um, and Fran's like, oh, you don't have to like be, you don't have to overplay it that much. And he's like, no, seriously, I, I love this play. At which point Richard kind cheers and he cheers so emphatically that he ends up falling backwards and falling off the building. (laughs) (laughs) But he lands in a huge pile of trash, which we don't see. We just see Mr. Sheffield and Fran reacting to this. And me and Mr. Sheffield's literally like, oh my God, like he was saved by that huge pile of trash. And Fran goes, thank God we live in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like, that's how that gets resolved. Um, Oh, I thought you would also appreciate it. How while Mr. Sheffield is reading it and, you know, uh, Richard Kind is like, you know, nervously, leaning in the window waiting for a reaction fran goes 
why do you care what he thinks? He passed on cats. I love that. I wrote that line down. And I said it made me respect him more as a producer. <laughs> yes. Um, so, oh, and then... Um, cats is garbage. <laughs> it's so weird. Such a weird thing. Um, we we get that little plot tied up and then we go back to the house and it's the night of the school dance and Brighton has ultimately done the right thing and he re-invited Brooke to the dance. And then we get some instant karma because, you know, at first he's like very like ho-hum about it and like, oh, I don't really want to be doing this. But the doorbell rings and lo and behold, she's had a she's all that makeover or a glow up. At As which you know, point she walks in and the audience whistles as the small child walks through the door wearing <laughs> what is essentially just like a normal dress. Like there was nothing like sexualized about her at all, but we still get like that, that like, um, Ooh. like, like teeny daughter on Married with Children walks in the room and everyone goes like, yeah. she's a 12 year old girl. She's 12, year old. she's 12 years old. And she is not even like. She just looks like nice. <laughs> like, well, no, because she's she's definitely. I, I think it was a. Uh, she was made. She was just too old for her age. I I would say. Mm. I think for you know 12? she was. Yeah, I don't think she was necessarily in the most age appropriate ensemble. But of course, you know, Brighton's like hubba hubba, and yeah. Fran sort of was like, "Hey, you did the right thing, and God smiled on you." And then she goes into Mister Sheffield, and she goes, "God, Maybelline, and half a box of tissues." <laughs> Implying and, that this little twelve-year-old girl stuffed her bra. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And right. then the whole so that's the end. And then the credits roll with the cast doing the hustle together. That's it. <laughs> that's it. And to end this episode, Tori and I are about to do the hustle. So get ready, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Play the music, and we are doing it alone in our own homes, <laughs> and no one can see it. And no. we're done. It was and we're great. done. Wow. Woo. What a good time. What a good time. Well, um, yeah. Um, I'm also assuming that the segment song is already played, so I'll just I'll just keep going with our favorite lines. Why? Um, we okay. didn't even say segments. And now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments. Uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> okay, that's true. Now it's played. Okay. I had a bunch of favorite lines. One of mine is when um Brighton is talking about his science project and like he was like, Hey, did you know that uh coal turns into diamonds? And Fran goes, Oh, that's not true. Val and I spent an entire <laughs> summer trying to squeeze coal into diamond earrings. Like you basically find out that she and Val had spent all summer once trying to turn coal into earrings by squeezing it between their fists. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I also loved the there was a exchange in the cab when she realizes that it's Jeffrey from high school. And she goes, Oh, Jeffrey, what have you been doing since high school? And he goes, shock therapy. <laughs> um, and I'll There's do one also, more. Yeah, what was yours? Go ahead. One more. It's just when Fran is, she so desperately wants to get out of her date with Jeffrey on Saturday that she's willing to like work an extra day on her day off. And Mr. Sheffield says something like, oh, like, Miss Fine, what are you doing here? I thought it's your day off. And she goes, I decided I'd work an extra day to make up for that Jewish holiday I made up. <laughs> and he yes. goes, mean there's no matzah day? <laughs> Love that line. I have that. That was that was one of mine that I wrote down. I also had, um, Fran is trying to come up with excuses to not go on a date with Jeffrey. And at one point she says, um, 
you know, she doesn't feel good. And she goes, Niles, so I sound like I'm coming down with a cold. And he goes, all the time, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> Which I really liked. And then also Jeffrey is like threatening to jump out the window. And Fran, he, he finishes eating and then he asks if there's any dessert. And Fran is like, yeah, do you want a sweet? And he goes, no, no, I got to watch my weight. And she goes, why? What's the matter? Are you afraid you're going to make a bigger hole? Which is (laughs) so dark. It's like, no one cares that this man's going to die. It upset me. (laughs) Made me sad. I was left. I was left concerned. (laughs) You're a monster. Made me sad. (laughs) I think because he was clearly so still egotistical and like still rooted in the actual, like he was clearly not that depressed. He was just acting out. I mean, was he though? Because it sounds like when she starts going through all the things he has to live for, he really doesn't. And like, is this not just like a manifestation of his depression? I I don't, I don't buy him as a depressed man. I buy him, I buy him as a yes, because everyone presents depression the same way. No, no, no. He's an emotion. This okay. This is why I honestly didn't care. He's an emotionally manipulative man. He's not the good guy. He's basically like, oh, you're not going to say yes to going out with me or having sex with me. I'm going to kill myself. I'm like, <laughs> That's true. no, I'm like, you're actually a huge asshole. It's true. So you were glad um, when I, he fell and then disappointed when <laughs> he didn't die. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I just, I literally was like, this guy's the worst type of guy. I mean, I've literally, Sean, I've literally like been on dates with men that said stuff like that to mm. me. Like, That's pretty men, I don't want to say that men do it. That's a huge generalization. Cause to be fair, I haven't been on dates with women. I'm sure women also do it, but it is, it is unacceptable people if if you're ever on a date or dating somebody that makes you responsible for their mental health like that that's true you get you get out of there yeah no that's very true it's 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 not i it is not okay to you know tell someone like if you break up with me i'll kill myself because it's like well they're not responsible for you killing yourself in that situation you are you know (laughs) Um, but again if you feel that way like i don't think like, yes, it's emotional manipulation and the person that it's being told to has no obligation to do the thing you're demanding they do. Um, but also like it, that comes from a place of like a serious mental health issue. And like, you know, if you're really feeling like if someone leaves you, you need to take your own life. That's also a problem. I mean, that is a problem as, as manipulative as it is, it's a problem. That's fair. That's fine, I guess. Sure. <laughs> so Yiddish? <laughs> Yiddish. The Yiddish word is no suicide. No, um, <laughs> the Yiddish word is actually okay. So there was no Yiddish in this episode. So I just um I just thought nebish would be a good word to look up. And this is what was shocking to me. I always thought that nebish was an adjective, as in like he's a nebish guy. Nebish is technically a noun, and it is a pitiful, hapless, or ineffective person. Yes, he's um, he's, he's a nebish. He is a nebish. Yeah. Um, you know, classically, sort of bef- back when Woody Allen was an actually respected filmmaker and not a monster, known known as the monster that he is, he would have been like the iconic nebish. Correct. And it actually has this word has been a part of English slang since the late 1800s, which wow. I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so nanny trivia, this is really apropos of nothing, but just tie into some things that we do talk about sometimes. Um, Fran Drescher appeared in two episodes of Who's the Boss, Mm. but like seven years before the nanny. Um, And you can even find a clip of one of these episodes online where you can see Fran Drescher in Who's the Boss, which is like the ultimate meta crossover since so many people on imbd keep constantly you know claiming that the nanny is a 
who's the boss ripoff. Which it's is funny that you bring that up because I have an update on my end on the IMDb uh, trivia wars that happen sometimes on this show. And this week I bring you uh, a submission from a person who I guess is adding trivia to the nanny, but also hates the nanny. <laughs> and this person wrote, this is the only trivia on IMDb for this episode. And this person wrote, quote, the entire premise stolen by serial plagiarist Dresser and Jacobson from the sitcom Boo. It's a Living, where a man threatens to jump off a restaurant window in 1986 unless he can act a scene from the play Serrano. And, and again, I just need to point out, like, I don't think that you can call the writers of this show plagiarists any more than you can call the writers of any sitcom plagiarists because what they're really doing is playing with tropes. They're not stealing direct, like they're not stealing directly from these shows. I just, I, I don't, I just don't agree with that, with that interpretation of what's happening here. I think there are plenty of sitcoms that use like, Oh, this person's on a ledge threatening to kill themselves and our characters have to like talk them down. And like, I don't know. I just, I don't buy it. It it makes literally no sense. It is the stupidest criticism possible. It's stupid. Um, it's truly like almost like, um, it's almost like petty. Like this. Yes, it's, it seems like whoever this person is, it is a petty unhinged person who is like, <laughs> I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that Nanny Trivia on IMDb notes that these people are plagiarists, even though they haven't done anything wrong. But that said, if you're the person that wrote this on IMDb, I am fascinated with why you wrote this, and I'd love to talk to you. Oh, um, one thing that I'll say, just to uh, talk about that little bit of nanny trivia again that Fran was on Who's the Boss, one thing that I really liked was um, she was still very much herself. Fran Drescher like, had her voice. She had her vibe. And I was really relieved because I think there was maybe this small – in the clip that I saw, because mm-hmm. I think there might have been this small part of me that was like, oh, is this just this big shtick? And like, if you like, you know – are were to talk to Fran Drescher privately, she'd be totally different. But she still had this persona and this vibe and that voice well before she yeah. crafted this character, which I was think nice. This is just who this woman is. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that she's I think this is just who Fran is. And I think that's why the show works so well, because she's very much writing just like herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then for the Fran or the CC, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm not only the Fran. I'm so the friend that I would have ended up marrying this man out of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> that all would have worked on me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't go for emotional manipulation, really. I tend to push back at that pretty hard. So I don't, I don't think I would have fallen for this. I think I would have, I think I would have honestly called like the authorities and then just <laughs> been like, this man needs help and I'm, I have nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's not like it's not like that. Because as you said, he is emotionally manipulative, even though he needs help. I, you know, I wouldn't have just left and let him kill himself. I would have made sure that help had arrived. But like, I don't think I would have stuck around the way she did. And I certainly don't think I would have pulled in Mr. Sheffield the way she did. So I, I guess I'm the CC, but I don't know that we didn't really get a sense of how CC would have handled this situation. Yeah. Well, CC, I think, would have taken on no responsibility. Yeah. CC would have pushed him. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. And I think that is an episode. Yeah, that is. Uh, that is a, a great episode. Uh, honestly, a, a much stronger entry than the first one of season two. Um, and I'm excited to see where the season goes 
from here. I, I would have been happy if they had brought Richard Kind on as like a series regular on it. If, if he had just gotten to like move into the house as just like a nebbish, uh, <laughs> you know, just guy who crashes well, they, there a they, lot. They could have kept him on the show as Mr. Sheffield who options his play at the end. Um, they, they could have kept him on the show at, at developing this play with Mr. Sheffield and had this character appear uh, throughout. Because Richard Kind is always great, but yeah, he was destined for bigger, bigger things. Obviously, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, if you're enjoying the show, uh, please like and subscribe and share it with friends. If you want to join in on the online conversation, you can search "Oh Mr. Sheffield" podcast on Facebook. We've got a little Facebook. Page. No, no, isn't it "Oh Mr. Sheffield" pod? It's just if you look up "Oh Mr. Sheffield" pod <laughs> or podcast, it's going to show up because there's only one of them on all of Facebook. Okay. Um, and then, and then, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, we're Oh Mr. Chef Pod, two Fs. Oh Mr. Chef Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Wrights. And Toria, where can people find you online? Instagram, uh, Toria Sheffy, two Fs. Yeah, Toria is all about the gram. I'm all about the gram. That's I'm right. All about those. All about those likes. <laughs> yeah, she needs those likes. That's how she fuels her self worth. <laughs> yeah. All about those, all about the, those dance videos on the TikTok. <laughs> so, um, uh, all right. And I think that's an episode. So we'll see you in a week for more nanny goodness. All right. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. The flashing girl from flashing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine.